I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. Thank you for joining us again. I had no doubt whatsoever that you would come back. As I uh, mentioned on the first part, Dr. Jill Balti Taylor is my absolute number one hero, the one person that touched my life most in the last seven years of my life. Through her TED Talk and her book that was titled My Stroke of Insight, I had a stroke of insight into my right brain into the ability to live in flow, to live in harmony, to live in love, which is an amazing experience that she experienced when she had a stroke that affected her left hemisphere, disabled her left hemisphere of her brain. And so she could completely live in the present moment in inclusion, in harmony with the entire world. And she described it so beautifully in her 2008 TED Talk and her book, My Stroke of Insight. Dr. Jill Balti-Taylor is a Harvard-trained and published neuroscientist. She was named the uh, one of the Time magazine top 100 most influential people in the world. And she was the premier guest on Oprah Winfrey's Soul Series webcast. Jill has published a new book uh, back on May 11th. Definitely a recommended read. I intend to read it myself. Whole Brain Living, The Anatomy of Choice, and the Four Characters That Drive Our Life. We've discussed in part one a lot about character one, the thinker, and character two, which now I call the panicker. She calls them Helen and Abby. We uh, will now continue our conversation to dive into the other two characters, a little bit about understanding love, a little bit about understanding addiction, and perhaps what you can do if you want to change our world. Let me continue my conversation with my absolute hero, Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. We're gonna call him H, and again, no reason why I'm uh, mentioning, but I'll remember. These are your wonderful friends, you know, in your twenties, who are just constantly having fun and enjoying life, right? They're living in character three. Exactly. I call mine Pigpen. Pigpen is a character in Charles Schulz's cartoon, and there's Charlie Brown, and there's Lucy, and there's Peanuts, the dog, and there's Pigpen. And Pigpen is a little character that is walking around in a constant dust storm, always in a dust storm. Chaos, present, happy, present, aware, goes everywhere, really doesn't contribute a whole lot to anything, but he's always present, and he's always in a mess. So I call mine Pigpen. So my pig pen would like to play with your age. (laughs) Exactly. Totally. Right? Yeah. Let's go do some fun together. Absolutely. Yeah. And there is nothing to prevent them. Correct? Absolutely. Except the character one. If one doesn't engage, three is going to play all the time. Yes. Okay. Character four is the thinking character of the right brain. So the thinking character of the right brain, right here, right now, no boundaries of where I begin and end. So this is the character that is the thinking consciousness of the universe. There is no separation between me 
and that which is beyond. This is the consciousness in every cell of my body when I was multiplied at a rate of 250,000 new cells per second in the womb. That is the consciousness in every cell of my body. And it is the portal through which I get to communicate with something beyond the definition of myself. It is loving. It is pure loving. It is supportive. It is open. And it is so filled with gratitude that it exists at all. It has no fear because there's nothing to fear. It is love. It is the opposite of the fear of that left hemisphere. There is no alarm, alarm, alert, alert. It is pure grace and pure gratitude and just absolutely in awe that we exist at all and that we can communicate at all and that we have technology at all and that we have digits and hands and voices and eyes and ears and oh my gosh, I'm alive. <laughs> that is your blissful euphoria. I have to ask a question. You said, this is the thinking of the present. And then you said, this is love. Is love thinking at all? It's an energetic consciousness. Is there a consciousness of love? I think love has a consciousness. Totally, but it's not a thought, is it? Well, no, but that's the only way that I can actually describe that added on tissue. And I think that it is thought. I think that it is, you know, now we're having a different conversation. Is the universe conscious? Totally. Does the universe think? Are there thoughts that we then are like an antenna that we receive? But for me, that is thinking tissue. And I use that to describe it is not emotional tissue. I don't think love is an emotion. I don't think so either. Unless it is perhaps expressed between two people. But that may be a conditional love. Exactly. That's how I differentiate it in my work. I say there is conditional love and unconditional love. Unconditional love is the condition of the universe, if you want. And so exactly, if your thinking tissue in your right hemisphere is connecting you to the rest of the universe, it's not generating the love. It's actually sensing the love. It's basically... Well, it is the love. It is the love. I think that the love is, I think it is the consciousness of love, the eternal love that you're talking about. I think that that is the energy that drives the universe toward life. I think life is a cell. How on earth does a cell even come to be? Just even a single cell, much less us. So to me, if we look at just a single-celled organism, the single-celled organism is a semi-permeable membrane separating some things out there from some things in here, and the energy gets contained in here through proteins and molecules, which are nothing but atoms and molecules and energy, to create an order. Because the universe couldn't say, I can become one big cell. It has to have a limiting boundary so that it can become functional. And so the single cell can only get so big, but it has to multiply itself and be in relationship with another cell. But cells then have our stipple, the membrane that is allowing some things in that it needs and letting other things out like waste. It detects what is out there through these receptors. So the cell is receiving stimulation and it is interacting and stimulating the external of itself based on what it releases into that space. So to me, the meaning of life, if we're going to go there and why not, the meaning of life is to stimulate and be stimulated by whether I'm a single celled organism 
or whether I'm an organism made up of 50 trillion cells. And if you stimulate positively, then you're building more... Connection. Connection. You're building... You're aiding life to progress. And if you stimulate negatively, you're engaging character too, where every living being on the planet will go into alert and it becomes a war. Yeah, it becomes a war. I heard you once say, I don't know if you realize how often you drop those words. And I write them down. So you said our first job as human beings in the world is to love one another. Is to love one another, period. Period. That's a very big statement, Jill, because that's the opposite of what we're doing. Period. That's it. We're here to love one another. And then you put a left hemisphere, and a left hemisphere is fabulous skill set, but it should not be in charge of how we treat one another. Oh, that's a massive statement. It should not be in charge, period. It should not be the boss. It should be of service to the consciousness of our right brain, which is the collective whole. Through my character four, I'm not an individual. I'm you. You're me. I'm every piece of life on the planet. I'm every molecule that exists in the universe. There's no definition of me. There's no definition of self. I'm just this collective organic mass that because of that tiny group of cells in my left hemisphere defines me as me. But I'm not me. You have a stroke, you wipe out those cells, you're off in blissful euphoria because blissful euphoria is the consciousness of that which is around, within, supporting, nurturing, loving, everything. So that realization that I am not an individual, I'm part of a whole being that includes you and me and every ant and every elephant, every tree, that, if you want, is the default of life, right? This is the the truth of consciousness. If you're able to sense it in character four, then that's unconditional love. That's basically... It's the setting of the machine. You switch on your phone and your phone will switch the home screen in English. That's the setting. And the setting is love for everything. Until character one or character two engages, either character one will start to analyze and say, hold on, hold on. She needs to kiss me three times. Right, wrong, good, bad, boundary. Right. Yeah. She needs to kiss me three times more, more a day for me to continue to love her. Or, you know, this is not exactly the right way to do it. It's not good for my career. Maybe I should focus on my work and so on. Or character two panics because things are not going exactly as I want. If we switch those people off, one and two, we remain in that bliss. You get my TED Talk. (laughs) But that's the point, Jill. So post your TED Talk. I didn't listen to it when it came out. I listened to it specifically six and a half years ago. And six and a half years ago, I really have reasonable control of that little brain of mine. I spent years and years and years focusing on making it do exactly what I tell it to do. So I I can manage to switch off the left side. I can. When I do that for years, I mean, now it's actually very natural to me, but for many years, when I switched off the left side, character one and two, three and four didn't kick in. They really nothingness if you want, right? There is that constant feeling of I am part of the whole. There is that constant feeling of now is amazing. But there is, I don't know how to call it. What I was struggling with until 2018 when I started to figure it out was the idea of flowing with that oneness. 
I actually, I think I know how I found out, but I don't because my right brain, if you want, which could actually jump in, doesn't have words to explain it to me. And that's a big problem because I can't explain it to others. But there is a whole life in there on that side of euphoric nirvana, where you're connected to everything, where you're completely aware of consciousness and where all that remains is love. Really, all that you feel is love, including your enemies. You're like, yeah, you know, wonderful beings. If I were in their place, I would do the same. How do we do that? I mean, how do we tell people stop? Because what you said is left shouldn't be the boss. This constant panic, this constant analysis, this constant control is destroying all of us. Left should be the doer. Right should say, go hug Jill. And left will say, okay, I need two steps to the right to avoid the desk and then, you know, get there. And this is how I hug Jill. And then right takes over again to make Jill feel that, you know, she's the most wonderful person on the planet. Now, how do we get those four to work together? I call this a brain huddle. And I call it brain because it's my brain, but it's also an acronym, B-R-A-I-N. B, breath. When we breathe, and I always take my left hand and I start on my forehead to bring my mind to the present moment. If I'm in a struggle, if my little character two is triggered, I can do it with Helen. She doesn't care. She's good at it. But I use my left hand to get into my right brain. So I actually touch my forehead and I'm breathing breath, breath, breath. Breath is the first thing we do when we're born and the last thing we do when we die. It's constant. It's always available for us to bring our mind to the present moment. So I bring my mind to my breath. I breathe a few times. If character two has called the huddle because I'm unhappy, then it's like it takes a little longer and I'll think about, I'll just feel it. I'll just feel my breath. B, R, recognize which character called the huddle, which character mm. was being dominant at the time that I called the huddle. Now, if I'm Abby, then I might not want to call a huddle, but my character one is saying, this is not appropriate. I got to be on stage in three minutes. I need to calm my butt down and we need to have a huddle. So recognize which character am I in at the time I call the huddle and recognize which character called the huddle. Now, I encourage people to call this huddle 20 or 30 times a day when you don't need it, because these are neurons and these are connections between different parts of our brain. And the thing about circuitry cells is the more often you run a circuit, the stronger that circuit begins to run on automatic. So you're creating habitual thinking. So a huddle becomes a habit. And I encourage people to do it all day long when you don't need it. So you might be out doing something like a little character three for a moment and have a huddle and think to yourself, oh, I'm in my character three. I'm being H. So anyway, so B, breath, bring your mind to the present moment. All right. R, recognize who was I being in that moment and who called the huddle. R, a, appreciate the fact that I have four of me in here. <laughs> now, this is particularly important if I'm in that character two, because when we move into the alarm, alarm, alert, alert of our character two, it's like all the energy in our brain gets sucked into that one little group of cells that starts routinizing and, and it just, and it starts regurgitating inside of itself. It likes to be unhappy. It does it well. Fight, flight, yeah, 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 yeah appreciate when you're in that character that I have these other three characters out here waiting for me to breathe 
and recognize <laughs> that I have other characters and appreciate the other characters. Now, just appreciating the fact that I have a character one, if I'm being Abby, I can actually think, Helen, I could use you now. Abby, you okay? I can call on them by name. I can actually pull my energy out of that circuitry and dissipate it by observing instead of just engaging as Abby. So B, breath, bring your mind to the present moment. R, recognize which character was I being in the moment. Who called the huddle? Might be the same character, might not. R, A, appreciate the fact that I have four characters. A, I is inquire. In this moment, who do I want to be now? Who do I want to purposefully hand the microphone to? Do I want to let Helen step on stage and go do her thing? Do I want to step into, go jump into the lake and bring myself completely into my character three pig pen? Or do I want, need, want to go for a walk in nature and go dissolve myself, which I do? I have certain tools that I use to get there. And because that's where I always am. So I'm always distracted away from that experience of being one with the universe. So I inquire, okay, which one are we going to do now? And then in navigate, because I might decide that, okay, I'll give you an example. Let's say I walk into a room and you're in the room fighting with somebody. Okay. You're very unhappy, emotionally fighting. You're in your two, let's say it's a woman, she's in her two, and you guys are just having a two for two tip for tat. And I walk into the room and I, my characters three and four, they're big as the universe, they feel the energy and they can look at the facial expression and, and the, the way the bodies are being held now. And, and I know I just walked into an argument, right? I'm intuitive like that. I have a big picture contextual perspective. That's intuition. So I intuitively ask myself, present moment, okay, huddle. It's like instant huddle. Uh, what do we do? Right. And it's like, okay. And so I'm in, I've got all four online. And I think, okay, character one can come out and say, hi, is there anything you need? Is there anything I can do for you? Is there, is everything okay? Is there anything I can fix, essentially, is the message of character one, because that's what it does. It does. It does. Can I make a call for you? Uh, uh, do you need more blankets? Are you cold? You know, whatever. Character one or character three might pop in and crack a joke and try to use humor to, oh, it looks like a bad time or, you know, just kind of lighten everything up. That's what the character three would do. Or character four might come in and just exude love and say, it's good. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, I just want you to know I'm here if you need anything. And um, I, I got gotcha. you. I care about both of you and I got you and then leave them to their privacy. So in that moment, that's a huddle. How do I respond in this moment as a conscious human being, knowing what my choices are? And, you know, so often we make bad choices. Why do we make bad choices? We make bad choices because we didn't know we had four opinions in there and that we could actually hold a brain huddle and make a calculated and conscious decision about what do I really want in this moment? Is the one orchestrating this huddle always character one? She's the one? I think it's character four. Is it? I think it's character four. Character four is always there, whether we acknowledge that part of ourselves or not, it's always there. And it's the really the best part of who we are. And it's the love. So if I love myself and I allow myself 
to have these conversations. Mo, I believe that when we die, character one goes offline. You know, our worlds get smaller and smaller and smaller as we age and we we become uh, less conscious of what's going on outside the walls of where we are. So character one goes offline. Character two, eventually, hopefully we're not being just trigger, trigger, trigger. Character three is the do-do, busy, busy, adrenaline, adrenaline, the pull to go, go, go. And, you know, in those moments, I'm going to actually dissipate back into the beginning of where I began, back into the consciousness, unfold the rest of my cellular matrix. I will return to that character four. And I think that by knowing these other characters, knowing these different parts so of who Jane. we are, so beautiful. we have this power so beautiful. to choose. I know. This is oh, so, so profound. This you're gonna make me cry again. So let me say this to you because before we got on, and you told me how important that TED talk to you was. When I gave that TED talk, I gave it because I wanted us to revere one another. I wanted us to love one another. I wanted us to recognize the power that we had to do that. And that was a miss. It didn't happen, even though that TED talk exploded into the world and people revered me, that wasn't the goal. My goal was for us to revere one another. So this book is the work that I came back to give to the world. This is it. This is where why I recovered. This is why I did the work that I did for eight years to find my way back to be able to communicate with my beautiful fellow man so I can say the words that I say now as a tool and a roadmap to help people find that blissful beauty of who they are. This is the core of who we all are. This is all And we then are. we get tangled up. We get so tangled totally. up in the circuitry. Totally. This is all we are. This is why I cry every time because... When you said I found nirvana, the definition in my mind was, it's just pure love and pure presence. This is it, really. This is it. And it's so accessible to every single one of us. You now call it character four, right? And character four is just there all the time. It's just that the others are so noisy. They're so loud. The others so loud, you know, either commanding or panicking or just playing like you know, mad and character for saying, like, guys, it's just so chill. It's like, everything's fine. COVID, everything's not COVID. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Whatever is. I wanted to ask you actually, when I was writing my notes, because you often talk about this whole brain talking to me. And I was just thinking, so who's me? I don't know. So is this character for the real connection between the real me and my physical form. You know, what is me? I think me is this organic lump. Whatever the organic lump ends up looking like. I mean, if I'm an organic lump that looks like a worm, then I won't have the consciousness that I have as a human, but that's it. You know, it's the, the consciousness of the universe in life form. And it is that beautiful tissue of that character four that allows us that clear awareness that get rid of the boundaries of where I begin and end. I mean, just that concept, the mere concept that 
I can wipe out a group of cells in my left hemisphere and I don't know where I begin and where I end. What's that tell us? That means that that is a false perception of definition of self and me and ego and I and everything's about me. And it's like, oh, no, honey, it's just so not so. Is this what happens when, when people go on psychedelics? You know, they switch off those parts of the brain that are causing them so much agony, if you want. And then they're just left with those beautiful parts that live in the present moment, enjoy everything with an exaggerated sense of taste and beauty and perception. Is this what happens? Yeah, I think so. And um, some of them, psilocybin, for sure, is one that a lot of people come to me and have shared with me their their experience. I think that the, the microdosing of Ecstasy is a tool that is now being used for post-traumatic stress disorder because you get so caught up in that fear and that pain and that memory and that loop of trauma. And then these, these drugs. So first of all, a drug, a medication, a food, anything at all, you know, it has an impact on the biological system that already exists, or it's not going to have an impact on you. So even milk, when we drink milk, why does it calm us down? It calms us down because it has calcium in it. And calcium releases the ratcheting action of our muscles. So our bodies relax because our muscles relax. And then it has tryptophan and tryptophan turns into serotonin and serotonin gives us a, a settled sense of peacefulness. So we calm. We, that's why people drink milk and it has the impact. You don't want to drink milk before an exam. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you do. I don't know. It depends on how much, how well you know your material as long as you don't go to sleep. So, but everything. So whether it's a, a medication, if it goes in, it's jumping on a biological system that's already there. If you're taking a drug, a natural drug, it's influencing a system that's already there. And so a lot of people are using psychedelics just to know that there's something beyond just the me and my pain. It's a, a tool to get out of that character too. But then the problem is if I become, if I, once I know it's kind of like I'm calling a brain huddle and it's like, oh my gosh, there's a character four in there and there's a character one in there and there's a character three in there. And it's like, oh my gosh. And so for some people maybe using a substance in order to become aware, but my whole goal is I don't want people to become dependent on something else in order to become a whole brain. To me, drug use is not whole brain living. It's consciously choosing to run specific circuits. And I don't want someone's whole life to be wrapped around just, you know, an addiction. And addiction actually is inside of that character too. And if you open up that left brain and you open up the frontal parietal region from the temporal region, there's some tissue in there. See a little tissue in there. And that tissue I can actually pull out because this brain comes apart. And that tissue right there is called the insular cortex. And the insular cortex in the left brain is our craving tissue. So if we have a problem like a stroke or something right there, whatever that person was addicted to, usually gets wiped out because they don't crave it anymore. And the addiction is part of character too because it, it just needs to be numb? Well, no, it, because it's actually part of that tissue. Now, what that means, Mo, is if somebody's going to go into therapy or rehabilitation, Character one can go to rehab and it can jump through all the loops and it can stop using and it can say the right things and do the right things and, and come out <laughs> looking clean. Mm, and mm. character three and four can do the exact same things. They can jump through the hoops. But if character two isn't the part of our character that goes into rehabilitation, then there will probably be a relapse.
It's profound. This magnificent brain, and it becomes somewhat predictable based on being able to differentiate the different skills and the different character profiles and how they can come together and communicate as a brain huddle. And then you're living a conscious life. And to me, that's personal freedom. That is really living, if you ask me. This is the whole idea of really deploying the right resource, the right hero, if you want, at the right time. Exactly. If you have the, the Hulk, you know, taking over all the time, the Hulk destroys as many things as he saves a few things, right? And, and sometimes we just live in that part of ourselves, you know, either panicking or either over-analytical and so on and so forth. I have a bit of a sensitive question. I don't know if it's the right understanding or not, but when you speak about three and four, there is a lot of feminine in them. When you speak about one and two, there is a lot of masculine in them. Well, I think that when you look at the traditional way of thinking about the two halves of the brain, it has people describe the right brain as the feminine nature because it is open. It is, it is connected. It is loving. It is nurturing. It is supportive. It's not competitive. It's embracing. It's all those wonderful things that, that we have defined by that left brain as feminine traits, compassionate and open. And you compare that to the traits that we describe as masculine, which is assertive, aggressive, competitive, competent, climbing the hierarchy, values money, values materialism, because it's the provider for the family, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I think that that's, you know, that's kind of, of a societally defined but I think it makes sense. I mean, if it's all about me, then I'm going to look at me against the world, pretty much. I'm an individual. And if I'm not a me against the world and I'm a we, well, that means that you're my brothers and sisters. Why on earth would I not support you? You know, we're one big thing. So loving you is loving myself. Hurting you is hurting myself. So beautiful. Just based on the way the cells organize themselves. And of course, I would probably say... and. It's understood that neuroplasticity will probably work on all four of them. So the ones that we use become us more and more and more and more. Yeah, well, they become stronger. They become stronger. So if I start to get three to be myself for the next three weeks, I can become a much more playful, much more in the moment person just because I'm constantly using that part of myself. If I allow myself to feel the love and the connection and the compassion, then I become character four. And the more I use it, interestingly, the more loving I become, the more forgiving I become, the more inclusive I become. I think, you know, when you really think about it, everything that's happening in our world now, we need a lot of force. We need a lot of force. We do. What did you call for? You didn't tell us. I call mine Queen because she's big as the universe. <laughs> Toad because mm -hmm. I'm a little goofy and I live on a boat half the year and it's my lily pad. So I call mine Queen Toad. <laughs> Fantastic. What about you? What are you going to name that one? Uh, I'll call her Aya. Aya? Aya is my daughter. Oh, I love that. And absolutely, absolutely she's four. She's love and life itself. And of course, as you can imagine, Aya is spending her 20s very reflective on life, you know, asking character one to come in and engage, even though I know in my heart from the daughter I have lived now 26 years with, that if she just becomes her four, you know, that's all she really is. Pure love, pure compassion, 
pure passion about the entire world and incredibly creative, incredibly engaged to make things better if you want. And I love that about her. I think that's, that one is unforgettable for me. And it's probably the one that I have for the last six and a half years been trying to live in. It's not deficient. It's just always been bossed around by my character one. I actually don't have character two at all. I, don't, I really don't been panic. Been ignored. Yeah, I don't panic at all. So two to me is most of the time chill. I think one is the boss and one bosses three and four around too much. And if we can get one to, to stay quiet a little bit and accept that life knows that the present moment is fabulous as it is, I think that's where we become. I love that. It does. That's exactly right. Life knows that the present moment is fabulous. It really is. It's beautiful. Just let it be what it is and be in awe that I exist at all. And then I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wasn't that a ride? Yeah, exactly. What was that ride? Totally. Yeah. Totally. You know what? The present moment is so fabulous because you're in front of me. You are Thank you, Mom. my hero. You're my teacher. I totally, totally admire everything that you do. I totally admire why you do it. I think that really, really is what makes you so special to me, is why you do it, why you came back, why you're telling everyone. And I wish, really, I wish that people can understand what you're teaching and really champion a world where it's not about me, 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 it's about we. And uh, I cannot thank you enough. Today is a very big day in my life. I wish you will give me the chance to meet again and again. Mo, where, where do you live in the world? I'm now in Dubai. I'm hopefully moving to Europe uh, in the end of the month. I travel where I need to be, but not as crazy as I used to be. So I used to travel three times a week. Now I travel once every couple of months, maybe every three months, where I need to be. So I don't have that clinging to a one single place that is important for me to feel home at. I mean, I feel home everywhere almost. Uh, but sometimes life takes you and I try to flow with life. And I find that it's always amazing when I do. Once again, Jill, I'm so grateful. This has been definitely one of my favorite conversations. I adore everything that you do. Thank you so much for coming and joining us today. Thank you. It's an honor. It's a privilege. It's been, it's lovely for me to have the opportunity to connect with another who really gets it. And for you to say, my two is rarely engaged. Boy, does that say so much about who you are as a human being in the world. So thank you for taking your love and spreading your love, the love of all of us into the world. I, I'm so grateful for that. Thank you. Oh my God, I love Jill. I totally, I totally in my heart do. What an amazing woman with an amazing message, with a, a neuroscientist's brain, but the heart of the universe itself. You have four players in your brain. There is a thinker, there is a panicker, there is a player, and there is a lover. They need to huddle because each of them has a role to play and each of them needs to get a stage on which it performs what you need for life. If I had a choice, I'd live in character four all the time. But if I did, you wouldn't 
listen to any of what I'm recording or what I'm read any of what I'm writing, which obviously happens in character one. But I definitely am going to spend more time to create more neuroplasticity to grow three and four. And as Jill said in her TED talk, find Nirvana. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much. Oh, I'm sure you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. If you did, please rate the podcast, tell others about it. You know the drill. Help me spread the word because I think more people need to listen to amazing wisdom that comes from guests like Jill Bolte Taylor. I remind you as you rush back through the fast paced life to remember what it was like when we were in lockdown and to remember that regardless of how busy you are today, there's always a little bit of time to slow down. Find me on social media, say hello, get in touch, share with me what you think. And, uh, Remember that I love you really, I really love you very much for allowing me to have the chance to talk to my absolute hero, Jill Balti-Taylor. I love you all for listening and I will see you next time.